the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Brendan Glasheen, joined by the usual suspects, Brandon Anderson, Jill Gallant, Luke Swain, a.k.a. Vegas Refund. We've got games coming up Saturday and Sunday, and we look forward to going around three picks from each of the guys. This season, the Best Bets pod, good bounce back week in week 14, 5-3-1 and one after the 2-7 and seven week 13. So we are 67-55-4 for the year. You can find the picks over in the Action Network app. Action Network NFL picks. You'll have the podcast here as well as the Sunday six pack. No buys. Those are over. Everyone's playing underdogs at 54% unders at 56%. We've got three favorites of seven or more bills, chiefs, and Eagles. And that remains the least profitable start for touchdown favorites this year, hitting at just 38% against the spread. These guys have not consulted one another before the picks. I don't even know. So we just go into this and we all have raw reactions. Looking forward to it. There might be some overlap. That happens. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Brandon Anderson usually starts us off. So do so, please. Pick one for week 15. Well, Brandon, you, you know I wanted to go back to Seattle Island here. But Thursday night, we're recording Thursday. By the time you listen, our island will already be brimming again, beautifully cashing our green dot tickets. Oh. So let's go with the Steelers. We've been playing Steelers a lot lately. I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh plus three at Carolina. I like the plus three. I like the money line too. So here's the case. This line flipped on Sunday. So Carolina was a two and a half point underdog and then flipped to a two and a half point favorite. And I feel like that just was an overreaction to both teams here. Carolina got the big win. They beat up on our Seattle Island aforementioned, but they, they basically just ran the ball right down their throat. They out-physicaled them, and that is not a script that's going to work against the Steel Curtain. That's never a script that has worked against the Steelers really my entire lifetime. I think we're overreacting to the Panthers a little bit. Look, yeah, they're in the playoff hunt, sure. They're in the Junior League playoff hunt. They're in the get-in-the-hunt-for-the-lose-the-first-round-game-in-a-terrible-division hunt. The, the numbers say they haven't really gotten a lot better, even with the Steve Wilkes thing. The defense, pretty solid, has been all year, but it starts out well in the first quarter and gets progressively worse each quarter. They're 31st in DVOA defensively in the second half. So we'll have to be patient here. It might take a bit, but the Steelers are actually better. They're the team whose numbers and profile has actually improved. We've done the whole TJ Watt dance. Six games with Watt, they rank third on defense, top five against the pass and the run. I like the Steelers. It's a better team. I don't mind on the road. We don't know yet who's playing quarterback. Okay. Crossing my fingers. I don't really want Mason Rudolph. So as long as we get Pickett or Trubisky, I'll feel much better there. But uh, not really a rah-rah Tomlin underdog spot here. Doesn't quite fit the usual trends. But in that Tomlin underdog spot, after they lose a division game, 
6-0 as an underdog, ATS, and straight up week five forward after that. So it does fit that spot here. And then the other trend I've mentioned, Pittsburgh, after they play that Ravens game, they beat Baltimore. They're only 6-12 and ATS. They kind of come out flat, but they lost last week. If they lose to Baltimore, they are 11-5 and against the spread the following game. So I like them to come out hot here. I like them to get the win. I can't make Sam Darnold a favorite, not against the Steelers team. That's pretty good. So I'll take Pittsburgh and I'll play the money line plus 130 as well. And that Seahawks defense is not very good. So to your point, might be an overreaction to how Darnold performed. No interceptions. And he was scrambling around and looked sort of competent. Kenny Pickett was practicing earlier Thursday, limited with the concussion. Deontay Johnson didn't practice. We'll keep an eye on Fryermuth. He did not practice, but... Pickett was out there, which is good news. He was cleared to practice. He was out there in some fashion. Let's go to Joe Gallant, your first pick. Going to Saturday, uh, Brendan. I'm going to be taking the Bills minus seven versus the Dolphins. Pretty confident with this one. Motivation spot for the Bills. They do need the one seed in the AFC. They cannot go on the road in another AFC title game. With a win on Saturday, they could pretty much lock up the AFC East, get more ground for the one seed over the Chiefs, and part of my fate of the Dolphins is mainly how Tua Tagovailoa performs on the road and in cold weather. So he's played twice in Buffalo. He's lost by 30 in 2020, lost by 15 in 2021. And he's a different quarterback on the road. Part of what makes Tua successful is his accuracy and completion percentage. So he's played 34 career games, 16 on the road, 63% completions on the road, but it increases to 68% at home. That's a huge drop-off of 5% comparatively to home to road. His last two road games, Niners and Chargers, he threw 61 passes. He only completed 28 of them, three touchdowns that were all long ball. I mean, you could even say that that Trent Sherfield touchdown against the Niners was fluky. I'm not willing to say that the Tyreek Hill touchdowns were fluky, but two interceptions in those games. And his career spread record, I find, reflects this. 12-4 and four against the spread at home. 6-9-1 and one against the spread in road games. I don't think it's a coincidence that all five of his interceptions this season have been in road games. Now, from a cold weather standpoint, in the NFL, Tua has never started a game in the temperatures in the 30s. It's expected to be pretty cold in Buffalo on Saturday. He started three games at just around 50 degrees. And the Dolphins are 0-3 straight up and against the spread in those games. And they average just around 14 points per game. So give me the Bills to roll the Dolphins and win comfortably on Saturday. Okay. And you got Mike McDaniel rocking the sweatshirt at practice that he wishes it was colder while he has sleeves on. Like, interesting. He should be in short sleeves if he's going to wear a sweatshirt like that. And it also feels like this Dolphins offense, have they been figured out? Did the Niners lay a blueprint Going forward, Chargers seem to follow that. We'll find out if Buffalo does the same. Let's go to Luke. First pick for us. So my first one's going to be Colts plus four and a half at the Vikings on Saturday, okay. um, which this is going to be a, a Colts team that, I mean, that was like the, the I think it was, was it last Sunday night or Thursday when they got absolute beat down by the Cowboys where that game was 3-0 in the fourth quarter. That was a few Sundays yeah. ago. Yep. Yeah, where... That game, they were it was close until that fourth quarter, which just went totally off the rails. Um, and this game feels eerily similar to me to the Jets game two weeks ago against the Vikings. And I know, I think every expert you probably hear across the media is just 
it's like a broken record bashing the Vikings being the lucky team. Sorry, Brandon. Um, so I won't, I won't even get into that, even though it, it does have a reason. I think we've, we're at the point where like the Vikings like luck factor has like leveled off where mm-hmm. we're not getting numbers that are um, outrageous to us anymore. Um, but like two weeks ago, which is probably the like, it was just like the worst beat in terms of like experience ever that Jets game, um, which the Jets had an elite, they do have an elite defense. Um, and they were just missing a couple pieces specifically at running back um, where they couldn't convert in the red zone. Um, where this Colts defense, I don't want to say it's the Jets defense, but is it a very above average team where that defense is going to be the best unit in this game um, against a Viking, Vikings offense that I think they can contain um, where I trust Matt Ryan enough to stay within this number. I think if they cover, they probably win. Um, but Saturday game, four and a half is just too much to me against a Colts defense that's great and a Vikings defense that can make a Colts offense look better than it actually is. If you look at our Action Network luck rankings that Sean Kerner and Nick Giffen put put together, Vikings are the second luckiest team in football. And as Luke laid out, they've got a minus one point differential through 13 games. But uh, what jumps out is the Colts are the 28th luckiest team which means they aren't very lucky so and it also facing pressure you talked about the Jets defense Matt Ryan may actually not be all that bad because the Vikings don't put too much pressure on the quarterback settle down settle down mm-hmm. you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I mean remember the days here doing this podcast where Jill was giving out Matt Ryan to throw an interception at plus money or those days he's over. the second most mm-hmm. profitable quarterback to throw interceptions this year behind Dak Prescott but still regardless he throws a lot of interceptions by the way, Matt Ryan, after the bye week, as he is here, nine and five against the spread. Kirk Cousins facing an opponent coming off the bye week when they had a little extra time to prep for him with that good defense, two and eight against the spread. So I, I hate to admit it, but I, I'm with you on Colts on this one. I think it's the right side. See, Jill, it's all paving way for Matt Ryan to <laughs> give us another. And it's, it's, it's on a Saturday. Looking forward to it to start the slate. Uh, let's go back to Brandon, your second pick, please. Yeah, well, I like the Bills pick. I like the Colts pick. Let's wind out our Saturday with one more pick in the game in the middle. I'm going to take the Ravens plus three in Cleveland. A rivalry game, right? These teams hate each other. Ravens, Browns, rivalry. There's no rivalry here. The Ravens have won 24 the last 29. They own this rivalry. This is like big brother, little brother, except little brother is like a four-year-old and big brother is 17 and they're playing basketball on, on the court backyard. Like, The Ravens own this matchup, and I think that the line here is still trying too hard to reflect quarterback perception that has not really played out. I think we did this one on the hot read, and the line hasn't moved a lot because of the quarterback uncertainty with Baltimore, Uh, but Deshaun Watson, we've talked more than we really want to on this podcast about him. He's just not been good. The Browns in eight quarters with Watson so far have scored 16 offensive points. Two points a quarter is not going to get the job done, especially for an offense that honestly was really good for the whole rest of the season, right up until they put a new quarterback into the mix and they're not so good anymore. The run game has faltered. He's not passing well. On the other side, we took the hot read, hoping maybe we'll get Lamar Jackson here. That looks pretty unlikely at this point. But the good news, thankfully, is Tyler Huntley, who was hurt Sunday. He's practicing. He looks good to go. I did want to make sure we got Huntley in there. I don't need any, you know, 
Brett Hundley, the other version of Hundley or Anthony Brown, whoever it is. But look, Tyler Huntley is fine. He's played now in seven games. He's featured prominently in seven games. All seven games have been within three points. Well, we're plus three. That looks pretty good for us here. And I think with Huntley in there, you get the Harbaugh underdog script, 17-7-1 ATS as a division underdog. Both teams are going to run the ball here. It's Cleveland. It's December. Ravens want to run. J.K. Dobbins is back. The Browns want to run. The difference here is who's stopping the run. Not the Browns. They don't stop the run all season. They're third to last in run defense. The Ravens, since training for Ocon Smith, number one run defense and number four overall by DVOA. So I love the run defense for Baltimore. Just going to be one of those ugly dog pound, slow, close, low scoring, run the ball. And if you got that ugly defense, run the ball script, you always, always want the Ravens and John Harbaugh in that matchup against the Browns here. Watson, not a good favorite. Kevin Stefanski, not a good division favorite. One seven against the spread. So I'll take the Ravens. I like the plus three. Okay, tickets coming in on Baltimore, but the money coming in on Cleveland, minus three. This game could have been like so electric where if like Deshaun was playing like good and we have Lamar, it would have been like awesome. But I think what we're finding out, and Brandon said this, that the week he came back, when you miss, when you you haven't played football in 700 days, this feels like, okay, get your feet wet, get in my system. Kevin Stefanski will lead you along, but this is a wait till next year kind of team. If anything, if if they turn Agreed. it around, I would like to think they do. Yeah, I don't know I mean, that. I don't know that we have decided Deshaun Watson is a terrible football player now. I, we have not learned that in two weeks. We've learned that it's really hard to just join a different system. Jacoby Brissett is a very different quarterback, different skill set. So uh, the Browns, they, they're the team that they put on the very last graphic in the corner of the playoff graphics on your screen. They're not in the race. Like I guess they could make a run, but. This is all about next year. But for now, we can still bet against it. Luke, do you disagree? Uh, no, not at all. I, I oh. just, I, I, Deshaun has not met expectations, but I don't think he played all that poorly on Sunday. Um, Fair. Relative to perception. Well, and just look at their next three after this week. Saints, they can be a decent defense from week to week. The Commanders on the road and the Steelers. There's, yeah. there's no layup there. The Texans was the layup game in Cincinnati. Baltimore, it's not not an easy stretch by by the imagination. And even the weeks before that, Bills, Tampa, those are all decent top half of the league defenses. It's, Jill, it's tough. I, I feel really bad for Deshaun Watson. It's tough out there. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. Jill, go. <laughs> all right. Speaking of somebody who looks like they haven't played in 700 days, I am going to use this opportunity to fade the Buccaneers. And Tom Brady, I'm fading the goat. I apologize, Brendan. I apologize, Luke. I know that he is probably on a poster in your wall somewhere. Uh, but I am taking Bengals minus three and a half. <laughs> Brady looks 45. Uh, and now part of it is, you know, the system, the lack of weapons in the slot up the seam, really noticeable this year. And all you have to do is just look at his pass attempts per game, which is just around his age. He's actually averaging 44.5 passing attempts per game. That's the most of his career. And the most previous to that was last year when it was 42 attempts per game. The difference is he threw for 42 touchdown passes, had, you know, a Gio Bernard in the slot, a Gronkowski up the seam. This season, Mm -hmm. he's on pace for 25 passing touchdowns. That'll be the lowest since 2013. On the flip side, the Bucs defense, not really doing him many favors. In his first uh, two seasons with the Bucs, 
They were the gold standard for defense versus the run. They ranked top five in rush yards, touchdowns allowed both seasons. This year, they're middle of the pack in rushing yards. They've already allowed more rushing touchdowns this year than they did all of last year. Now, on the other side of the field, you've got the Bengals playing arguably the best in the AFC right now. Five straight wins and covers. Um, They're starting actually to take care of Joe Burrow. He's not getting sacked as much. During those five games, he's only been sacked six times. The first eight games of the year, he was 29 sacks. So made a huge difference here. Uh, I just think this is a bad matchup for the Bucs. I thought this line was going to be around minus four. It may go to minus four by kickoff. There are some trends as well from our Evan Abrams uh, that I think support this. Bucks are now one and nine and one against the spread in their last 11 games. They've faced the AFC four times this year. They are 0-4 straight up and against the spread. Three of those games were against the AFC North, and they did not cover any of those games. As for the Bengals, they are 17 and three against the spread in their last 20 games overall. To me, you got to take the Bengals here. When was, I think, the game against Kansas City early in the year? Tampa was, they might, no, they were favored in that game. Have they been a home dog all season? I, I don't, I don't know that for sure, but playing. Kansas City, that they were a short favorite in that game, if I remember back now, early October. So this is their first yeah, spot were. this year. Say it again. Yes, they were. They were. Okay. So that's the first spot this year for Tampa, and maybe since Brady's been there. But uh, there's no signs of encouragement from that team. I, I don't blame you whatsoever. So you, you, you're not breaking my heart. I won't speak for Luke, but uh, I tend to agree. Luke, go ahead. Your second best bet. So my second one is going to be <laughs> – they put me through a lot of pain the last two weeks – on both sides, but I'm going to go with the Jets plus one right now in FanDuel hosting the Lions, which we have Jared Goff kind of going into a perfect storm where he is totally the quarterback that he needs a couple things. He needs to be in a, a good environment, like indoors on turf. He needs an offensive line um, and he needs to go against a coach that like doesn't have the blueprint against him where like Jared Goff could be great if he just avoids Belichick. Um, so, and, and speaking like the trend here is small sample size. I'm not giving him like the Belichick like angle, but Sal is four and against Goff in the four games that he's been defensive coordinator or head coach against him. Well, defensive coordinator only actually, I would think, but, um, and then he's going against a Jets defense that their defensive line brings pressure every single play. Pressure is his Achilles heel. He's been behind the Lions offensive line that has been making life really comfortable back there for him all season. Um, In a weather atmosphere that is going to be sub 35 degrees and golf in games that are sub 35 degrees, shout out Casey Halpern. He has never had a positive EPA per play. So golf is on the road after being at home four games in a row in a cold game against a coach that's beat him four times against a Jets defense. That is the elite in my opinion, uh, where the Lions is just another peak market expectation game. We're going to be fading them right now where they were plus two and a half at the bears and they were plus three at the giants. And if you're telling me that they should be favored at the Jets, like, I just don't think that's true. Um, I think the Jets should honestly be minus two at the very least. Um, so I'm just going to basically take the Jets and a pick them. And Quinn Williams is kind of key, but they do have depth. Um, so I'll just take them and basically pick them. Okay, very good. Um, 
Jared Goff has been good against the number playing in the 1 p.m. window. Evan Abrams has him at uh, 26 and 13. That's his, according to his data, covering six in a row this year. But the way they've played the last two weeks, folks are starting to maybe go the other way. At least you're going to go the other way. And not to mention Mike White did say today he will play in this game confirmed uh he was dealing with the rib injury this week but he will play for the jets as the quarterback he Back confirmed to... it's big difference for what it's <laughs> worth like the player confirming he's going to play that's fair it that's doesn't fair. <laughs> well as long as we don't have a Bears situation like Back when they played, was it? It was the Jets when they played the Jets. Who the quarterback would be for the Bears? That right. was a freaking shit show. But, Which uh, I'm assuming he's going to play because he said it. It's not like he has like he got an MRI. Um, it's pain tolerance, I think. So I believe him. Do you, do you like the Jets even more that Zach Wilson got elevated to QB two? Does that make you feel better? Or I, do, I mean, I can get into that right now. Uh, no, okay, maybe <laughs> don't, don't, don't. I think he, he's going to if he if Zach Wilson was going to start, this would be the game. Like they have an excuse to bench Mike White for the injury against a defense that Mike White, Mike White's gone against the Bears, the Vikings, <laughs> and now the Lions, where you have to think, like, Zach would put up, like, okay numbers, where, sorry, I you can cut this out. Dave. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Fine. Jets, it's my fault. I went there, and I was just giving you crap. Uh, Jets <laughs> opened as one-point favorites, and that line has flipped, as, as Luke explained. Final bet for me to the guys. Let's go to Brandon. Yeah, what a world where we're in December on the home stretch and Jets Lions is the game of the week. Like I, I'm legitimately excited to watch that coin flip game, but I'm also worried that it's a sign of the apocalypse perhaps coming. I'm gonna go to a game that I'm not excited to watch that Jill uh, and Brandon will be watching just going into our next podcast on Sunday night. I'm gonna go to Commanders Giants and I'm gonna take the under here, under 40 and a half. So I had this play two weeks ago. It actually was my last cut before the pod, but I had it on the app. And if you remember, the 40 and a half was a wild ride. We're at 33 points late. Washington has a late drive, gets the touchdown, 20 to 20. We're going to overtime at 40 points. I'll do the math for you. And I believe we had like five punts and then a missed 700-yard field goal to end the game <laughs> in a tie and hit her under 40 and a half that we had all the way. So I only feel like it's fair roll it over and take the money from that 40 and a half and just go right back to the well two weeks later that that only seems fair to the gambling gods uh, it's the same play and it's the same angle here's why washington is number six in pressure rate the giants are fifth worst in pass protection so that's going to make the passing game tough and then the same thing on the other side the giants are number three in pressure rate defensively and Washington is also near the bottom and pass uh, pass blocking. So that neuters both passing games. We got a Washington game here outdoors <laughs> looking at so, like, so, I love that neuters. That was a great adjective. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we got a Washington myself. game here. So outdoors in December, we're, we're looking at in the thirties and windy. So probably the weather's going to be a factor. So basically we got teams are going to run the ball a lot. We're going to have a fast script. Washington, top five against the run on the season, top five defense overall the last six weeks. Giants run game fading. I just don't see a lot of points here. I don't see – I see us having a nice wind down and a nice uh, easy block of time to prepare for a podcast on Sunday night. Washington games are under 40 and a half, nine of the last 11 games here. And then if you look at week 14 and forward division games, done a couple of these trends. I mentioned the outdoors factor. 
outdoors games hit the under 91, 56, and four to the under 62%. And then if you got a home favorite of under seven, 57% to the under in those late season division games. And I think the line's going to fall that it's been teetering. There are some forties out there already. So I'm going to grab the 40 and a half, but another trend for you, if we get down to 40 primetime under is excluding Monday night, which this will be the Sunday night game. If there are 36 to 40 total, 40 and 20 to the under 67% rate there. So I like the 40 and a half. And if we dip a little bit, the trends like it even more. I think it's too many points for the Giants, but I don't want to side on this. Just give me the under. And I mean, I think the general consensus was the public was pretty disappointed when they flexed this game to Sunday night. Where like in terms of all of the games this week, like this is like this is the most important game for each team by far. Like basically the loser is out of the playoff picture, I want to say, or like Close, a yeah. lot. Yeah, I think they're like two games back. Yeah. Where like the more important games, no matter what the sport is, usually results in a more conservative game plan, which plays right into this under. I'm a fan I, of this I'm rooting game. for I'm rooting for another twenty to twenty tie, not just to hit our under. But get those ties out of the standings. They screw with all the tiebreakers. Get the, the a tie and a tie basically just means they each got one win and one loss. Get even us back out there. So, I, and I think uh, I has, think it just kills out both of them. Has there ever been a tie in a divisional game where they're playing a second time? I, I not in my lifetime. <laughs> I'd love to know how that. Went. I'm a I'm a big fan of this because I'll be out in Vegas for Patriots Raiders when they flex that game to one o'clock. I was like, great. Well, one o'clock local time that is. Plenty of time to get to the airport for the red eye flight home and uh, <laughs> can uh, enjoy myself afterwards. So I'm a fan of the time change, as a matter of fact. Unders have been popular for uh, for the commanders, eight, two, and one to the under since week three. And they are 15, five, and one to the under in their last 21 home games. These two teams since week three have actually been the most profitable under teams. Brandon, also, it's I think we just talked about this, but also I would imagine you, you trust Ron Rivera to scheme it up defensively off a bye and playing the same team again. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird spot Yeah, where this is literally the last team that they played. The Giants had to play the Eagles in between, right. which is a very unique team to play. It's a team that tires you out the way that and they're running. Got, and they, they just got pasted. Like, they just yeah, got their did. butts kicked. They did. So, yeah, it's it's an advantageous spot. I think that's why the line is, is a little off of what we might expect otherwise here, because basically Washington schemed all week for this game and then had two more weeks to take what they learned and do it again. So, yeah, I think even if Washington that, – that's why I don't want the side. I'll take the under because the Washington defense is the best unit anyway, so that, that gives us a few outs that way. Okay, good stuff. Jill, last best bet for Week 15. Okay. Under 36.5 for the Cardinals-Broncos. Now, last week, Brendan, you viciously and, I don't know, maybe unintentionally called me a coward. But I think you've come around I now that my Broncos, that's right, mine, have covered that plus nine and a half last week. But my love. And they covered against the Ravens, plus eight and a half. This is true. But my love, though, short-lived. Because this might be the worst game of the NFL season. Like <laughs> I'm running projections trying to find where the points are coming up. I'm lining these teams up. I can't find it. Like, none of these, neither of these teams are competent offensively. Now, the one thing that helps is that the Broncos – Top five in points allowed per game do have a pretty strong defense, but last in points scored per game. Perfect recipe for an under. (laughs) All Broncos games this season 
have an average combined score of 33.2 points per game. And there are a few 60-point combined scores sprinkled in there, so you can imagine what the other games looked like. Now, Brett Ripien might be the worst quarterback in the NFL. I would say the only competition is the Trevor Simeon, Nathan Peterman poo-poo platter that they got in Chicago, but I think Brett Ripien is right there. Now, the last time he started a game was against the Jets. He threw 45 times. He couldn't even get over 220 passing yards. No passing touchdowns. The Broncos lose 16 to 9. On the flip side, you've got the Arizona Cardinals. You've got Colt McCoy. Doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence. He's thrown four passing touchdowns in his last 11 appearances as a quarterback with the Cardinals. And there's a ton of under trends as well when the totals get set this low. Unders at 37 or below since 2016 are 16 and 8 to the under. 12 of the last 15 totals at 37 or below have gone under by an average of 6.1 points per game. And Mm -hmm. Denver is also part of this trend. Two of their games were part of this trend, and both of those games went under. Now, Cliff Kingsbury, 20 and 10 to the under on the road. I'm not going to weigh that trend as much. This is more of a just take zero. Like, if you could take zero points for the Denver Broncos, I would consider it. And uh, the Broncos kicker also has a thigh injury, might not even be able to make kicks past 50 yards. So give me the under 36 and a half for Broncos Cardinals this weekend. You know, I wonder that the folks look at this game and they're just like, there's too much talent. There's still too much talent, but the coaches screw this up so well. They, they're so good at it. Look at Kingsbury Monday night, the the fumble by Hopkins, the, the mistakes they've made. Now, they I thought they were going to run the ball pretty well on the Patriots, but maybe it's just a, a kudos to their talent, why the number is as high as you think it is. But the, the the mistakes that these coaches make from a scheme standpoint, it's glaring. We, these are two teams we've been all over, Brandon, this year. Yeah, by the way, Jill, I got great news for you. I got an early Christmas present. Oh, if you like this Broncos under, just get ready. I slacked you this yesterday, oh, but just Rams so our game. listeners can hear, Broncos, Rams, yep. Christmas afternoon. I was getting ready for the look ahead. We'll get there Where in a it? minute. The look-ahead total on Broncos-Rams is 35-and-a-half right now. We have not had a total below 35 since November 2012, and we might be headed that way. Merry Christmas, NFL fans. That's like Army-Navy low. (laughs) Take that present and just take it from under the tree and just throw it directly in the fire. Like, that's the type of present that is. That is insulting that that just that total um but it makes sense okay luke take us home last best bet all right so my last one's going to be jags plus four and a half hosting the cowboys which the cowboys are coming off three straight home games um and they are their strength of schedule not strong um in terms of like non-divisional games they've only had two first with a winning record um so far so like you have a cowboys team that I will say it might be a little bit of like a bounce back spot for them coming off of that Texans near loss. Um, And we might be getting the Jags um, at like high market expectations in terms of like perception. But one thing that can offset that perception is America's team, no matter who they're playing. Um, And that now they're going into Jacksonville, which we've talked about on this podcast, weird things happen in Jacksonville. They got people (laughs) swimming in the stands, like just weird stuff happens. Uh, going like this Jags team is just surging. Trevor Lawrence is playing like the pick that everyone thought he was going to be. Um, he's been great against pressure. Um, he's made plays happen. Uh, and this Cowboys team just runs the ball when they shouldn't be running the ball. And I do think this D 
Jags defense is good enough, at least better than what like the teams that they've been playing of recent um, runs defense has been providing. And this Jags defense, I think, can hold them in check. And I think the Jags are very live um, in this spot. So I'll take the Jags plus four and a half. Okay, very good. Anyone have thoughts on that one before we wrap? I mean, the money's coming in on on Jacksonville. They're getting a lot of the cash, according to the Action app, and just a smidge over 50% of the bets are on the Jags. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is balling. He's he's hitting those yeah. laser throws all over the field. By DVOA, the Jaguars are number five in passing offense the last six weeks. So they are, they are moving the ball well. They're going to have to convert in the red zone. That's one spot where they tend to struggle a little bit. So you'll have to help you get some, get some into the end zone there rather than Trevor throwing it to the other team. I don't know what they did. Like, Derek Henry was absolutely stomping them in the first half. And then mm-hmm. the second half, whatever adjustment they made, like completely shut them down. And Trayvon Walker. Like, I don't want to say the Titans or the Cowboys, but they're both run first. They both have legit defense that bring pressure. And the Jacks took care of business last week. And I think they can again, especially at home. Um, but when the Jags are home, I always look who they're playing because – I just, it's just weird. You just it. wish you were there, Luke, don't you? Yeah. This I might be the to. first game. This might be the first game with Dak coming back where he is not at plus odds as well to throw an interception. And I'd still probably consider it. He's thrown an interception in every game this season. So, uh, and he's the most profitable quarterback right now to throw interceptions. It pains my heart to even say it out loud, but yeah, it, it almost seems like free money now to take Dak interception props. Cowboys have played no one, really. Just like Cakewalk. Where like their toughest game have been divisional games, uh, which they know those teams better than anyone else. Um the last three opponents they had, Texans, Colts, and Giants. And they covered in two of them. Giants backdoored on Thanksgiving. Indy 33-0 in the fourth quarter. That was a two-point game through three. So that was that was a close game. The score doesn't tell you how close that game was. And the Texans hung in there. Davis Mills had one of his better games. Yeah. So how convinced are you how well they've played? And now they got to go on the road for the first time in a month. So I like it. Good deal. Okay, before we go, let's uh, wrap the show with a quick look at next week's lines, week 16. We call this the look-ahead line to see if we like any numbers now before they adjust after Sunday. Brandon, what do you have for us? Well, it's Christmas weekend. We got most of the games on Christmas Eve on Saturday, but let's get you an early Christmas Day present. I'm going to take the first game of the day on Sunday, go into Miami, and I'm going to fade the Dolphins. I'm going to grab the Packers plus four on the road in Miami. So look, the Packers obviously have disappointed this season. We know that. Two big, big flaws on the team. Well, look, we, we know Rodgers hasn't been what we wanted. The receivers haven't been wanted. The big flaws is Green Bay's run defense and their special teams, both terrible. Well, look at Miami, dead last in special teams, one of the few teams worse than Green Bay, and Miami cannot and will not run the football. What Green Bay can do is defend the pass. They're sixth against the pass by DVOA. And, you know, Jill talked earlier about Miami struggling. They are struggling to move the ball right now. I expect them to struggle in the snow in Buffalo. I think they're going to continue to look bad there. Teams are jamming those speed receivers. They're covering up the middle of the field. And we're starting to see some copycat here. That's what Staley started to do last week as well. So I think these teams are are, are pretty evenly matched up. I think the Packers are actually maybe a little bit more balanced, more built for late season football. We're in Miami, so we don't really have to worry about any snow or winter weather effects here. 
And then plus four. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers as over a field goal underdog, 14 and nine against the spread when he's over three points underdog. But more recently, Rodgers has covered eight of the last nine games when he's over a three point underdog. He won seven of those games outright. So this mm-hmm. is a great spot for him. We're getting the points. I'm not sure it's going to be above four if you wait around. Matt LaFleur, 12 and four against the spread as an underdog, nine and one ATS when it's over a three point underdog spot. And Miami, even when they do win games, they're not really blowing teams out usually. Four of their eight wins did not cover this line. So we could even just lose by a field goal, still get the cover here. Packers, Monday night this week, home against the Rams. That's probably a blowout. We're going to be like, hey, Green Bay, playoff push? Are they around? They got to win out. Yeah, but they do. And and a little spoiler here, my Friday Futures column this week, I probably will be writing about Miami to miss the playoffs. And I hate to do it, Green Bay to make the playoffs. Well, if that's going to happen for either of them or both, certainly I need the game to go one direction on this one. Packers plus four. I don't think that it will be on that side of the key number by the end of the weekend. And you're on the same side as Jill. He gave out minus bills, minus seven. If you think Miami doesn't handle their business, that's, that's a great call. And this is just, I know it's not quite the NBA on Christmas, but is Aaron Rodgers not going to play on Christmas day? Like that just, cause I was, I was only going to bring up what if Jordan love was inserted, but I don't know, big spot standalone game, not quite a standalone game. Well, it'll be the only game going on. So I guess it is a standalone game. Well, that's Aaron the thing. Rodgers I, I, gonna I sit out Christmas day. Yeah. I liked the spot, but I was like, man, I would I, I also, my last cut for the pod today was I looked at taking the Packers minus six and a half Monday against the Rams. I liked that spot a lot, but I was like, man, If only I knew Green Bay actually cared, I'd like it better. Well, here's the thing to watch. I talked about Seattle Island. If the Seahawks lose by the time you listen to this, the NFC playoff picture really opens up. And I looked ahead at all the matchups. If Seattle loses and Green Bay wins out, we got a Week 18 Green Bay-Detroit matchup that I think has a pretty good chance of effectively being a play-in game. If Seattle loses, Green Bay will have every motivation to beat up on the Rams and then go to Miami and keep the wins going because you know Aaron Rodgers is always going to believe that he has a chance at the playoffs. So I think they will be motivated, and I expect him to play here. He doesn't fear death anymore either. Ah, yes. That's a great way to wrap up. The, the, well, we'll have the holiday version next week on, on Thursday, December mm-hmm. 22nd. We'll record then and have it out a few days before Christmas. So let's recap the picks, then we'll get the heck out of here. Brandon is on Pittsburgh plus three. This is for week 15, everybody. Pittsburgh plus three, Baltimore plus three. And he's on the Giants and Commanders under 40 and a half Sunday night. Jill likes the Bills Saturday minus seven. Also on the Bengals minus three and a half at Tampa and Denver, Arizona under 36 and a half. I I have to chuckle that number's just so low, but it's not quite Christmas day low. And then Luke is on Colts plus four and a half. Jets plus one hosting the Lions and Jaguars home dogs against the Dallas Cowboys plus four and a half. That'll do it here on the Action Network podcast for our NFL Week 15 Best Bets episode. This podcast, of course, sponsored by FanDuel. Thanks to Brandon Anderson, Luke Swain, Joe Gallant, Brendan Glasheen. See you folks later. We have the recap coming Monday from Brandon and Jill. I'm going to Vegas later today. So I can't wait to go in and put these picks in and watch us crush it. Meaning you guys. I say us when we do well. Um, (laughs) That's it, fellas. Thanks so much. Thanks to everyone who listened. And we'll catch you next week.
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.